0: Good evening, good to be with you all tonight. As you saw, we're starting a brand new series tonight. We just finished a series up on relationships and so forth, and uh, it's good stuff. You should go back and revisit some of those things. Uh, Also, coming up in March, I was just about ready to say June. Man, I'm moving through the year quickly. Coming up in March, don't forget we got some small groups that are built on the relationship series that we did, gonna be every Sunday night in March, six o'clock, dining room. Pastor John is telling me, he's not saying a word, I just get hand signals over there. So if you wanna be a part of that, there's gonna be some really good stuff. You're gonna be able to dive deeper into some things. I know there's one on marriage. Uh, There's gonna be one that's gonna deal with gender issues and you know that's a big deal uh, in our culture right now. And so you're gonna wanna be a part of some of those things. So anyhow, that's coming up in March. All right, so tonight we're gonna be jumping into personal spiritual health. So can we pray real quick? Holy Spirit, would you just come in this moment. Without you, I can do nothing. And I just pray that the power of your word would speak to us. Give us spiritual ears to hear what it is that you're saying to us. And then empower us by your spirit to walk out what it is that you want us to do. In your name, Jesus, we ask it. Amen. All right. So we're going to be talking about wholeness. Uh, Later on in the series, we'll talk about physical stuff, we're going to talk about mental health stuff, because uh, as of lately, the church is really finally starting to get a little bit better understanding that we need to deal with mental health issues and so forth. Uh, Some major pastors have actually had some serious issues that have happened. Some of their kids have struggled, and some of them have actually ended up losing their lives, all because of mental health stuff, and we're going to be addressing some of those issues. Tonight, we're going to be focusing in on our personal spiritual health because it really is an issue. Uh, We easily tune in to like our physical stuff. You know, you go get a physical, you get your blood work done, they tell you about your cholesterol, they tell you about all these different levels, how's your heart, how's your lungs, all of those things. And you turn on the television, depending on what channel you're watching or what time of day you're watching, every commercial could be about some kind of medication for some kind of physical issue. So we're all tuned in to all of that kind of stuff. We don't always tune in to our own spiritual, personal spiritual health. We're a little bit less attuned to that stuff. But the thing is, is that's as important as your physical health. As a matter of fact, your physical health can affect your spiritual health and vice versa. Proverbs 4.23 says, it's not up there, but it says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. So you might take a statin to guard your cholesterol or whatever, But if you don't guard your heart, everything else you do flows from that and it's gonna affect your life in very negative ways. And we want to be whole, we wanna be complete, we don't wanna be lacking and immature. And the thing of it is is we get a lot of people who come to churches and we have believers in Jesus who come to churches and they stay in churches but they don't always grow in their faith like they really should grow. They're not always as spiritually mature as they should be or spiritually healthy as they should be. And I want to go to Psalm 1, and we're going to dive into Psalm 1 just a little bit, because it gives us some wisdom in terms of our own personal spiritual health. And so if you're in the room and you want to get your iPhone, it used to be the hard copy Bibles. I still like to read a hard copy Bible. Uh, I got my little, one of my little hard copy Bibles here. I always get picked on because I usually use a table up here, and I put my Bible down, Pastor Jamie, she might be the one who does that. And then I prop it up like that and I get, you only use a Bible to prop up your iPad. No, I actually like to read the old hard copy Bible. But get out your iPhone or whatever, go to Psalm chapter one, if you're online, we have a very big contingency of people who join us every Wednesday night online. Go to Psalm chapter one, because there's some really good stuff that it teaches us. The first Psalm actually kind of introduces the whole Psalter. There are 150 Psalms, but the first one really kind of introduces it because it introduces some major themes that you'll see over and over again throughout the Psalms. There are different kinds of Psalms and they accomplish different things. They were actually used for prayers for the Old Testament people of Israel. And uh, this first Psalm kind of sets the general tone of some themes that you will see. But along the way, it teaches us some good things about our own spiritual health. So Psalm one, verse one says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. And we're going to kind of look at wickedness and sinners and mockers tonight. It goes on and says, But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So I want to take a look at some of those things, those first three words I mentioned. Being in step with the wicked, standing in the way that sinners take, and sitting in the company of mockers. I would put those all under the umbrella of one big admonition, and that would be this, to avoid the influence of the world. To avoid the influence of the world. When we say world, you read that word in scripture, what it really means is the mindset of humanity apart from God. A mindset of humanity without God, what it looks like to live life without God, that is the world system. That system is toxic to walking with Jesus. That system is toxic to your own spiritual health. And so, what we want to do is, okay, how do we not absorb that toxicity in our lives? So, verse one said, Blessed is one who doesn't walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. So, walking in step with the wicked, when we read those lines, now, these are all kind of parallelisms. The wicked and sinners and mockers and so forth, they're not talking about different people, but we're talking about different aspects of one person that is the person apart from God. And so when we think about walking in step with the wicked, we're thinking about following their advice, allowing their advice to impact how we behave. Psalm ten four actually says, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek God. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. That describes the wicked person. A wicked person is basically an atheist, whether they believe atheistically or they just practice atheistically. I know a lot of people who believe in God, but the way that they live is basically atheistic. There is no room for God in their lives. They don't care about it. They care about it at certain times when everything's falling apart and they want you to pray for them, when everything's falling apart and they want something from God. But the rest of their time, there is no room for God. But Psalm 1 is saying, let's not walk in step with those people because that is a toxic influence to my personal spiritual health. And I've got to turn away from their counsel. I cannot go in that direction. So whose counseling are you listening to? I used to tell my kids when they were growing up, I just got a sassy look like, dude, you are so old to be able to say when your kids were growing up. My youngest, my little baby is 17. But the good part is, all the rest of them are adults and they have their own jobs and drive their own cars. Glory to God. You don't. Actually, truth be told, one is out, two are out, and one of them's coming back now. So I'm, I'm experiencing that syndrome. I used to tell my kids, what you listen to is what you become. So whether, whatever kind of music they listen to, whatever they're feeding their hearts with, that's what they become. And of course, when they're kids, they always find some extreme example to tell you why you're wrong about what you just said. So there be, because you know, with certain types of music now, there's a lot of really graphic stuff out there. We, all, we had sinful stuff in our music always. But sometimes, especially now, it's just really out there about sexual assault and all kinds of profanity. And I mean, when you're singing about rape and murder or rapping or whatever about rape and murder or whatever, that's a whole different level. So my kids would be like, well, dad, I'm not going to become a rapist. And I would say, no, you're not. You're not going to become. But I guarantee you, you listen to that and you will treat women differently. I guarantee it you will have a different mindset about what it means to date a woman, to marry a woman, about sexuality, because what you listen to is what you become, what you put into the gate of your ear, or what you let in through your eyes, that is actually what you become. It shapes you to some level. So the question is, what are we letting shape us? I mean, some people read the horoscope. I've never read a horoscope. I always thought they were cheesy and hilarious. But some people do that. I don't think that's much, I don't know if that's much of a thing anymore, but some people get into that kind of stuff. Uh, or some people, whatever, what shapes their thinking is whatever talk show they like to watch. I'm not gonna name a talk show because I guarantee you somebody's gonna send me an email. I like that show. But is that shaping your thinking? Is that shaping your worldview? Uh, We live very much in a soundbite type of a generation. And I listen to people talk, and I hear what they say about what they believe and what they're going to practice and what they think is true. And I can tell you heard that from a soundbite. You hadn't actually thought it through. You heard so-and-so say that, and you thought, that sounds good. So that's what I'm going to believe. That's what I'm going to say is my worldview. That is not a way to develop a worldview. That is not a way to shape our thinking. So we can listen to all kinds of different voices, but they're really injecting toxicity into our souls. Instead, we've got to listen to another voice. There's other things that we have to do because this is not healthy for our souls, this kind of stuff. And I watch social media and, and I see people post different things, celebrities and so forth. And then I see other people I know in the church who parrot what what I saw somebody else quote, what I saw someone else say that is not how God wants us to shape our thinking. It's toxic to us. And when we go in the direction of worldly wisdom, what we end up doing is forsaking God's wisdom. And when we don't have his wisdom, then we just veer off in the wrong way and it's spiritually toxic to us. And listen, it's not about relating. Here's what I mean. When you say like to your kids, hey, Uh, bad company corrupts good morals, you should not be hanging out with so-and-so. It isn't because you think your kids are better than they are or you're looking down on people. You know as a parent that it's about influence. You don't want your kids to be influenced by certain other kids. And the same is true for us as adults. We think we're shaping our kids, but we have the same kind of pressures. We may not have the same kind of kiddos. We're not running around like that. But if you think we don't have people in our lives that are pressuring us, trying to shape us, if you think that we don't have people trying to influence us in a negative way, you're dead wrong. We still have our own peer pressure. We have our own voices that speak to us and try to drag us astray. They're just adult voices. Sometimes we think, We've moved past childhood. Now I'm good, but we can still have the same kind of influences. Somebody once said that adulthood is just high school continued in a little bit of a different way. We're still trying to fit in with people. We're still trying to do all that stuff. It may not be like when I was in high school, you had to wear um, you had the IZOD shirts. You all remember the IZOD shirts? Don't say a word, Pastor Eric, because you were born in 1980, whatever. We had the IZOD shirts. Remember, you had to wear the comb, had a comb in your pocket. Y'all you don't remember that, or a pick. I had used to have the curly hair deal. That gray hair doesn't work that way. So there's no pick going through this. You had to some. Remember, they wore the collars up, all the preppy stuff going on, and everybody was trying to dress that way. And back then, it wasn't Nikes or Adidas so much. There were shoes called kangaroos. You remember kangaroos, Pastor Jeremiah? Good man. I want you to show up with some. You probably have some. Kangaroos had a little pocket on the side. You'd unzip that pocket because kangaroos have a pouch. Get it? You'd put your little money in that pocket. And so everybody's running around, all pressured, trying to look like everybody else, act like everybody else, sound like everybody else, influenced by everyone else. And the same thing goes on in adulthood, just in a little bit different way. But we cannot stand in that scenario. We cannot walk in step with unbelievers. We cannot give them influence in our lives like that. So there's walking in step with the wicked. Then the second thing is standing in the way of sinners. And that's where we begin to identify with their lifestyle. So there's a shaping of the mind that can take place. There's a shaping of attitudes and views and beliefs. But then there's also behavior that begins to be influenced. and embraced in a negative way. And what we don't wanna do is closely associate with people's behavior. I've heard a lot of people throughout the years in the church say, you know, if Jesus were walking the earth, he would be with, and they fill in the blank with whatever group of people they'd like to be with or whatever. That's true, if Jesus were here, he would be hanging out with all kinds of different people because he was always welcoming and he was always trying to influence other people. But what you don't ever read in scripture is that Jesus began to behave like those people, that Jesus began to adopt what they were doing. He was the one who loved and welcomed in, but he didn't begin to adopt their behavior. He had an ability to have relationship without giving them influence over him. The challenge for us is we can very easily let other people shape the way we think and we stick with that long enough and now they've shaped the way that we actually begin to behave. And we start standing where they stand. We start doing the things that they do. And it's interesting and amazing to me that in the church, we trust Jesus to give us eternal life, but we won't trust him with guiding every other part of our life. Isn't that amazing? Jesus, you have enough power to forgive all my sins and you have enough power to give me eternal life, but I know a little bit more than you do about how I should handle my fill in the blank, whatever that might be. It begins to shape our lives, and, and there has to be a boundary. There has to be a sense where we can love people without doing all the things that they do. And When I first was introduced to what it's like to be in a Pentecostal church, if you're new to Grand Rapids First, you don't know it, we're a Pentecostal church. It means if you read Acts chapter 2 and you see what happened on the day of Pentecost, all that kind of stuff, we still believe is biblical. You saw tongues, you keep reading that book, you see prophecy, gifts of the spirit, all those kinds of things. It's kind of what it's like to, that's what it means to be a Pentecostal. I grew up in a Wesleyan church, not a Pentecostal church, but in seventh grade, I sat across the table from the guy who would eventually be the best man in my wedding, had no idea that he was a Pentecostal preacher's son. And his dad pastored a church that had about 100 people maybe, maybe 100 people in it. And a little Pentecostal real strict old fashioned Pentecostal church. this was the church that had the wooden pews that you after you stood up, you knew you 'd been sitting. Is that okay way to say it? They did have a cushion, but the cushion was like one hundred years old, so the cushion was just basically a thin cover for that wood and uh, so that 's what the little church was like, but that that fellowship, the denomination they were a part of was old-time strict Pentecostal. So, ladies, you could not wear makeup. Uh, You may, I don't even think you could have cut your hair. I'm not issuing any comments after that right there, because I just heard people like, don't even. Ladies couldn't wear makeup. Nobody could wear jewelry. You couldn't wear earrings. You could not wear a wedding ring. Uh, None of that stuff. Uh, You could not wear shorts in public. Sometimes that was a good rule. Um, So... You couldn't do that. Uh, you you couldn't swim together, you know, guys and girls and so forth. Uh, and I know that sometimes there was some wisdom in some of those things when you have young people that are that are together at camp or whatever, and you've got to have some strict boundaries, okay? But there were, and there were. It was more than just that. It was like basically when you left the church, could you do anything? No, you could not do anything. And there was just really strict legalism. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about us being legalistic people who can never do anything. Uh, But I did, after I grew up a little bit, I went off to college, went to Evangel University down there in Springfield, which is like, that's like the the holy land for the Assemblies of God there, Springfield, Missouri. That's where I went. And uh, I can remember some of the people I knew who were from this church and some other churches that were people who, said, yeah, we want to follow Jesus. And we went down to college. Well, when you're 900 miles away from West Michigan where you grew up and you don't have mommy and daddy or anything like that, you start embracing all kinds of brand new freedoms. And so we were going to a Christian university, but in case you don't know it, Christian universities sometimes have kids that do things they ought not do. I'm just going to leave that right there and let you fill in the blank. I remember thinking, yeah, we can have a little bit more freedom. We can do some more things that we thought we couldn't do. But then I began to watch what happened. And it's like, you've heard the saying, you give someone an inch and they'll take a mile. It's like, here we were, young people, taking like a a biblical inch, a biblical freedom, and just running a mile with it. And I began to see what happened with people, that these people who had gone off to school to build their faith and get an education, got an education, and even in the midst of a Pentecostal school, lost their faith. And I thought, that did not sound so good. And I began to swing back around to some things that at one time I thought were a little bit more legalistic, but it turned out they were probably just a little bit wise. I maybe applied them in a little different way. I maybe had a little bit more maturity about how I did that. But I didn't need to be embracing someone else's behavior because it was spiritually toxic to me. Even in an environment where I was surrounded by believing people, I can embrace toxic mindsets and toxic behaviors, and I needed to not do that. I needed to come back around to spiritual maturity. And for me, that was an experience that really taught me a lot. That I don't need to sit in, I don't need to stand in the council, the way of sinners. Instead, I need to embrace the behavior that God's calling me to embrace. You know what I found out? That all of the things that used to, I used to think were somewhat legalistic, just a little bit tight, I found out that I really didn't need to do those things to be satisfied. Remember when you were a kid and you thought, man, I can't wait till I get out of my parents' house. It's gonna be awesome. And then you got out of your parents' house, and you realized, oh, they actually have to pay to live someplace. (laughs) And then you began to understand why, I'm sorry, I'm going to have a dad moment here, why your parents always said, shut the lights off, because you actually have to pay for the lights. You know, you, you began to realize, oh, I understand why it is like this. And it comes to the way that we behave. I began to understand a little bit more. This is why we behave like we do. And I've never had anyone come. When we were doing the relationship series, Pastor JP said something. He's relating it to sexual addiction and sexual behavior. And he said, no one ever died because they didn't have sex. And I began to relate that to other areas. No one ever died because they didn't get to stay out so late or didn't get to drink or didn't get to whatever. There's no one who's ever come into my office and said, man, I am so glad that I fell into whatever. No one's ever said that. There's no one that's ever come and said it's, it was so good that I was so immoral for those, all those years because it helped me in this way. No one ever says that. But yet we go through these times when we embrace behavior because we think we're missing something, we think the church is too strict or whatever, but that's not really the case. God's way is really much better, and when we just follow his instructions, we end up having a healthy, satisfied, spiritual life. So we do not want to stand in the way of sinners, and we don't want to walk in step with the wicked. We also don't want to sit, this last one, in the company of mockers. This is an interesting category of people, because if you read the book of Proverbs, you see the Proverbs will talk about three, basically three different categories of people. There are naive people, and that's like when I was 14 years old. I thought I knew so much, but I didn't, because I was naive. I just didn't have the life experience to know. That's naive people. Then there are foolish people. Those are people who have life experience, but they're just going to do what they're going to do. They really don't care. Even when you tell them you reap what you sow, they think, yeah, that's not a problem. I'll just deal with that whenever I get to it. That's the foolish person. And then Proverbs talks about the mocker, or sometimes the translation will call it the scoffer. That's the person who is just continually always mocking. They're arrogant people, they love conflict, they reject wisdom, they do not wanna be corrected. Proverbs 15 says that mockers hate to be corrected, so they stay away from wise people. Mockers are the ones that no matter what wisdom you try to give them, they're gonna end up mocking it and just making fun of it. And the thing is, is that when we do this, when we connect with wicked people and we start to adopt their ways, we can actually begin to adopt an attitude like this. When we sit in the company of mockers, we mock at everything that is holy and godly. Proverbs 14:9 says, fools mock at making amends for sin, but goodwill is found among the upright. So you might say, well, why are you emphasizing this? Why are you saying we shouldn't hang out with these kinds of people or give influence? And the reason is, the reason that I'm emphasizing it is because there are too many who want to follow Jesus, but then they regularly inject themselves with spiritual toxins, and they don't even know it. They really do want to honor God. They really do want to follow Jesus. They don't want to mess up. They don't want to fall, but what they don't realize is that they're regularly exposing themselves to something they should not, and the best physical picture I could think of is my father. He went to be with Jesus in 2009, so that's like 12 years ago. And I really wish I could have one more conversation with him, just five or 10 minutes with him. Uh, but he, when he was a little kid, back in his day, everybody just smoked. It's just what you did, it wasn't wrong, it wasn't whatever, that's just what you did. So when he was about 12 years old, he started smoking. So my dad was a chain smoker. Now Ron Smith, one of our elders, worked with my dad. You can attest to that. My dad had a cigarette in his mouth, and a pack right here in his t-shirt. And one right after the other. And he smoked cool cigarettes. Those of you that have known anything about cigarettes, those are some powerful cigarettes. One right after the other. For 40 years, my dad smoked. Okay? And he tried at different times to quit. Eventually, he said, Jesus, if you don't help me do this, I cannot do it. And he put down his pack of cigarettes and he never picked them up again after that. But that was after 40 years of him smoking and ingesting all that toxicity. And the thing is, is when he was doing it, it was one cigarette at a time. Oh, it's just one cigarette. Oh, it's just one more pack. But every single cigarette was mounting up. And even though he managed to quit, about 20 years after he quit, all of that stuff caught up with him. And it ended up creating pulmonary issues for him. And it was a difficult passing. He went to be with the Lord. But we do the same thing in terms of our own spiritual life. It's like, I can just hang with this person. I can just do this. I can adopt this way of thinking, whatever it may be. And we think it's just this thing, not realizing that it's accumulating something in our lives. And then we get to the point where we're just spiritually toxic, even though we may be people who want to please Jesus, we wanna get it right, but we continually ingest spiritual toxicity because of what we allow to influence us. And that's why this passage is so important, because we don't want to ingest toxicity. So what is the antidote to that? So if I need to avoid the influence of the system of the world, What is the antidote to that? And the antidote is to abide in God's word. That is the antidote. And to abide in means to live in, to dwell in. You stay in that. You're constantly living in God's word. So verse 2 of Psalm 1 says, those who delight, it contrasts, those who walk in step with, those who are with the wicked and the mockers and all that. But then it says, but those whose delight is in the law of the Lord, are the ones who meditate on his law day and night. You need to get your direction from God, primarily first and foremost, from his scripture. But I know that, I know that we can feel distance from it because it wasn't written in our time. I mean, you're reading about people who didn't have electricity, they didn't have iPhones and iPads, and their customs were different. The way they looked at the world was different. But there's a reason why God chose to speak through those people in that time, in that scenario. And he spoke his wisdom to us through them. So I want to give you a little bit of an, okay, if I'm going to abide in the scriptures, how can I do it? What Can you help me read the scriptures a little bit? Yes, I can, but listen, let me give you a couple of admonitions first. One is, please remember, when I say abide in the scriptures, I don't want you just to think of, okay, the church is telling me i got to read the Bible more. It's true, we do need to stay in the scriptures. But remember, the goal is for you to meet with a person, not just for you to check off some box. Okay. We have a one-year Bible reading plan that's available, it's on our app, it's on our website, and that's great. And if, if that's a discipline you wanna do where you read the whole Bible in a year, wonderful. But don't just check the box off, you're meeting with a person. Not just trying to say, well, I filled that thing for my day, and now I can go on from there. And I actually tell people, it's great if you wanna read the Bible in a year, do it. But you know what, I really would rather you read for depth than just for distance. So if the Holy Spirit speaks to you and he says, you know what, you need to spend like the next three or four days in Galatians 5 and consider what it means to live in the sinful flesh or what it means to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit does that. I would prefer you stop checking the boxes to get through the year and you slow down and spend time where he wants you to spend time. So read for depth, not just for distance. And you know what? I know there are going to be times when it's going to feel like it's a duty, when it's going to feel like this is just something that I have to do, and I'm kind of pushing through it. We all have those feelings. I know that there are sections of Scripture that you think are boring. Listen, I'm working on my doctorate in theology, and there are portions of Scripture that I say, God, why did you include this in Scripture? You know, when you're reading those passages and it's like, this group is going from one place to another place and the household of so-and-so brought 14 spoons and 27 forks and eight knives. And if you don't know, there are passages of scripture that actually say things like that. And if it was like two or three people, it'd be great, but it's this list and you're like, dear God, what does this have to do with me? You know, and you are not alone, it's okay to think those things. Or you get to the begats, so and so begat so and so, and you can't pronounce a single name in the list and it's just a, a bunch of names that only a mother could love. You know, We all have those moments, that's okay, that's fine. And I know that people sometimes think, but I don't understand everything I'm reading. I would say to you, God is infinite. And if you could understand everything in the scriptures that he gave you, probably not much of a God. But God is infinite. You will never mine all of scripture your entire life on this earth. So it's okay that you don't understand everything. There's no biblical scholar I know who understands everything. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite scholar friends has gotten some of the greatest revelation and understanding of certain parts of scripture in the last part of his life. He's been walking with Jesus since his childhood. He's been steeped in it, he's a scholar, he writes, he does all these things. And it's been the last 15 or 20 years that he's figured out some huge things that have made such a difference in his life. So don't think, oh, I, won't, I don't understand it all, there are times when I get bored, I must not be very spiritual, no. Just remember, your goal is to meet with a person and you can come back to those other parts and understand, grow and all of that stuff. But every day for you to come and to meet with a person. Let me give you a pattern for just reading scripture a little bit. I was first introduced to this by a charismatic Episcopalian priest. And Pastor Sam shared it probably 10 years ago or so. But it's a real simple way for you just to begin to read scripture. And there are just like five steps to it. And the first one is to pray. Pray. When you open up the Scriptures, and I don't care if you read on your iPad or your iPhone or you use the old hard copy like I do, it doesn't matter. First, pray. You pray because the one who wrote the Scriptures is the Holy Spirit. And since he wrote the Scriptures, I can tell you, you will not understand them if you don't have him illuminating it for you. There are people who have PhD behind their name and it says New Testament, you know, professor of New Testament or whatever, and they don't know God from a hole in the ground because they don't ever say, Holy Spirit, open my eyes. My prayer every time I open the scripture is, God, open your word to me and open me to your word. That's the prayer that I pray. He's the Holy Spirit, he's the one that leads us and guides us into all truth. First, you pray. Then the second thing you do is you actually read, okay? Just read whatever the passage of scripture is, and uh, you've already asked the Holy Spirit to open your eyes, but while you're reading, uh, this is what I want you to do, or read through it, and then go back and think through it like this. So pray, then read, then picture it. So if you're reading, for example, about Jesus doing something along the Sea of Galilee, put yourself in that picture. What What would it be like for me to be this guy? What would it be like if i were this person or if i were part of this scene if you're reading the apostle paul and he's writing about some stuff that feels like it's way over your head what's he talking about this this one guy who's sleeping with his dad's mom and all kinds of crazy things are going on just put yourself as you're reading put yourself in there picture yourself what would it be like for me to be part of this church how would i be responding if i got this letter or if jesus said this to me or whatever picture yourself in the scene or a picture of the scene and put yourself in it, that's project. And then when you get to the end of it, you resolve things. What is God telling me? What is he telling me to stop? What is he telling me to start? What is he telling me to do? And then just begin to say, okay, Jesus, and you know what could be one thing, and it could be something you've heard before too, doesn't matter. You just take those, oh, look at they put them all up there. That's wonderful. You pray, then you read, then you picture the scene, then you project yourself into the scene, and then you say, okay, I'm gonna resolve. What do I do with this now? And I'll, be, I'll tell you, in my life, when I read scripture, I usually come away maybe with one thing. I might read three chapters in a day, but one thing that stands out to me, and sometimes it's the simplest thing ever, But the point is, I'm trying to meet with a person and allow him to speak to me through his word. And I'm not just reading for information. I wanna read for application. It's gotta make a difference in the way that I live my life. Those five simple things are so helpful for reading scripture. You're still not gonna understand it all in one reading. There's still gonna be things that you're gonna be like, but I don't get that. Okay, you can always Google and look up different things, but when you show up and you just simply implement a simple way to meditate on scripture, I guarantee you the Holy Spirit's gonna honor that. He's gonna speak to you. And then when you're done reading that, would you ask the Holy Spirit to empower you to walk out what it is that he spoke to you about? I also wanna encourage you with with one more thing here. I'm not gonna put it up on the screen. Pastor Sam did a series at the beginning of 2020 called Back to the Basics. And if you go to Back to the Basics, Part 7, he actually, it's called 20 in 20. That's the name of the message. He gives you a way to have a devotional time with God that just takes 20 minutes every day. Back to the basics, part seven. I'm not going to rehash it for you. It's out on our YouTube channel. I'm sure you can get it on our archives on our website. But I really encourage you to go check that out because sometimes we make meeting with God some big, huge, difficult thing. We think we got to have a burning bush moment every time we come with together with God. You're going to have those moments, but most of the time, our times with God are going to be really normal, really normal really simple, and it's in the simple places of interacting with him that we actually get life changed, And you begin to abide in his word to keep yourself spiritually healthy. And in James one says this, anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. It's like the man who looks in the mirror and realizes I really need to shave. I really need to brush my teeth, I really need to do whatever, but then he just goes away and doesn't do it at all. When we don't apply what it is that we've heard from God, we are just like that. Felt great in the moment, what a great revelation, but it's not making any difference in our lives because we're not applying it, we're not actually doing it. And you know what, obeying Jesus is gonna cost us something. Are we gonna have to adjust some things in life? Yes, we are. Could it be that people might think differently about us because we don't do this anymore or we do this now or we have this viewpoint? Yeah, those things are gonna happen. But if you really want a healthy heart, we've got to stop allowing the world system to inject toxicity into our souls and instead allow the Holy Spirit to continually cleanse us day by day with the power of his word, shaping the way we think, shaping the way we behave, shaping the attitudes of our hearts. There's a couple of tools I want to give you, and then we're going to go into a time of worship. We have what's called a spiritual health checkup, and it's on the Grand Rapids First website. Just go to grfirst.org slash checkup. That's it, grfirst.org slash checkup. And you can do the spiritual health checkup online. If you don't know... Uh, what our core values are, grow is our core values. G stands for growing in Christ, R for relating to others, O for outreach to our world, and W for worshiping God. Those are, are our core values. And we believe that if you're doing something in each one of those areas, something that fits under the G for growing in Christ, and the R and the O and the W, we believe if you're doing something in each one of those areas, you're probably growing in your spiritual health, growing in your relationship with the lord and so what we have is the spiritual health checkup where you get to evaluate yourself so you'll go online and you'll fill it out and there's under different areas it might ask you something like do you have a regular bible time do you have a regular prayer time it'll ask you different questions that relate to that when you get to the r section are you in a small group or what, what about friendships or whatever And you'll answer all of you evaluate yourself answering all those things. When you finish with that first page, you go to a second page, and this is the page that'll make people nervous, so let me just put you at ease. You can put in your name and your email address and and answer some questions that are there. The questions are for you, they're not for us. And then when you're done, it'll actually produce for you your results. You can download a PDF, and so forth just understand something if you go online and you do the spiritual health checkup pastor sam is not getting your results in his mailbox okay nobody's getting your results but you even though you put your name in there and so forth all that does is come back to you so don't think someone's keeping an eye on you. This is for you to evaluate yourself. And I'd really encourage you. I mean, do it a couple times a year. Just reevaluate where you are. And the Spiritual Health Checkup will give you some ideas for things you can do to grow in these different areas of your life. So that's one tool I want to make you aware of. The second tool I want to make you aware of is right now Media. It's a resource that we have. If you go to uh, grfirst.org slash rightnowmedia... one word you can go there and what it is is it's a resource where you can access all kinds of different video teachings and it's free to you so you can go to that to that page that we have sign up we will send have them send an invitation to you not going to come from us it's not gonna be a GR first email it's gonna be a right now media email And you can create your own account but I'm telling you there's amazing resources in there that you can access Teachings on different things that you may not hear here on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night but you can access them on your own make use of those tools make use of them and the last encouragement I would give you is this remember that your spiritual health is a process one of the things that can happen is we begin to compare ourselves with other people we think we want to grow in Jesus we're trying to do stuff But on the one hand, we see somebody who we think is really super spiritual and we compare ourselves to them. And when we do that, then we start to get condemned because we think, man, I'm not nearly as far along as they are, I maybe should just quit. The other comparison that we can make is when we're further along than someone else, we can think, boy, I am about as spiritual as a person can be. And then we have spiritual pride. Would you just remember that the scripture talks about, at the end of Psalm chapter 1, how the person who abides in God's word is like a tree that is planted by streams of water, that is constantly being nourished. It's yielding its fruit in its season. Its leaves don't wither. And in whatever they do, those people prosper. Now, that's not money prosper. That is that you are always being nourished, always being fed by the Holy Spirit. And God will walk you through your seasons of growth and life. But you will always be spiritually healthy. doesn't matter what the season of your life is. You will always be spiritually healthy. If you abide in his word, you will be like a tree that's always nourished by the streams of water. But if you embrace the other stuff in Psalm chapter one, you'll be spiritually toxic and you'll always be frustrated. Would you embrace what it is that God wants to do in your heart and in your life?